All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Packed Radio Hour podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Arjun Javid. Here with me today is Paul Garlic, and we have our first special guest on the podcast in history, uh, Emmett Smith, here with us today, uh, live from New York City via Dallas. Uh, we got a packed. We've been looking forward to this one for a while. Yeah, uh, big guest, obviously. Um, we've got a packed show. Uh, we got an interview with Emmett. Uh, we've got Paul talking about his travels across the country, uh, and then some news from Turkmenistan. And then, if time permits, a little talk about a fellow named Jack. But uh, Paul, you're sitting down with Emmett. I'll let you take the lead here. We are here with our good friend, Emmett Smith. What's going on? What's going on? He has just returned to New York City, the Big Apple, after an alleged ice fishing expedition in the great state of Maine, uh, the home of our alma mater. An unmitigated disaster, I might add, of an ice fishing trip. Yes. And that is why we needed to have him on ASAP to discuss this trip. I'm talking trips. One more is all we need. Let's go, Emmett. Start us off. You left on Friday, correct? I left on Friday. And I'd like to preface all of this by saying that my scumbag roommate, Lucian, had contracted the novel coronavirus, Omicron edition, prior to my departure. And so it was always in doubt whether this, whether this trip would happen. Um, so it finally did. I was super stoked. Everyone was hyping up ice fishing. And I was so excited. I've never gone ice fishing. And I heard it's just like a bunch of guys in a shack just chugging brews and potentially catching fish. I heard fish is not really a huge part of ice fishing. Of so, course. And we had recently watched the, uh, yeah, the, the Anthony off. Bourdain uh, Parts Unknown episode in Quebec where they go ice fishing and they literally just eat like black truffle and duck pate in yeah with foie gras in the like shack without ever even cutting the hole um that was what i envisioned yeah the grand illusion the grand ice fishing illusion i was i was full of you know excitement for this trip and so who did you go with was it like the cowboys cheerleaders it was it was primarily cowboys cheerleaders and then also um a few complete randos from boston who emma smith little known fact is actually from boston um, it has a bunch of random friends from there, and so they also came with the Dallas Cowboys. Cheers. Very interesting. And where where did you play? Uh, where did you play high school football again? Uh, because no, you did play high school football. Right? I did. I did in real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> what position were you again? I was surprisingly given my heft nowadays. I was a safety and a wide receiver. No wow. one who heard me now would ever think that was the case. Yeah, our good friend Lucian, who obviously could never play football again, as you guys probably heard in the last episode with those coughs, um, <laughs> words out on whether or not he'll ever actually play any organized sports or work out again. Um, but he actually did play football too. I invited him to the gym today. He didn't come. Jeez, it's embarrassing. How, how, how the greats have fallen. So back to your back to your trip. Yeah, so I'm I, I'm so excited to go ice fishing. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. Almost got derailed by my scumbag roommate, but it didn't. And I'm on the plane, and I'm stoked as Oh, you out. flew up there? Yeah, I flew to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, but anyway, I get there. It's all good. Uh, don't have coronavirus. So stoked to go sit with a bunch of bearded Frenchmen, cowboy cheerleaders, and randos from Boston uh, in this hut and just, like, not catch fish. Um, and we get there, and I was stoked. And Friday night, we're all talking about how many fish we're going to catch and how many Labatt Blues we're going to throw back. And we wake up on Saturday morning, and I'm all charged up. And I'm like, guys, like, what's the deal with this ice fishing? And they're like, hang on. We got a call. We don't have a place yet. We haven't made any fucking plans at all. We thought you could just show up, no equipment, no plan, go out on the ice and have a grand old day. And so from that base, we called, like, we spent the entire day on the first day calling ice fishing places. Surprisingly, on a long weekend with no preparation, there was no one willing to take our dumb asses. 
And so we ended up like flying all the way to Maine for ice fishing, only to sit in a cabin and drink, which frankly, not the worst thing in the world, but an absolute disaster from an ice fishing perspective. And I have a huge chip on my shoulder now, and I'm actually not friends with any of the cowboy cheerleaders anymore. So sorry, <laughs> sorry to all my male friends who wanted it in. That's not going to happen anymore. <laughs> Remember our um, New Hampshire excursion senior year? Oh, my God. Where all of the taken couples there <laughs> retired early to their chambers at, like, <laughs> what, like 10 p.m.? And you, me, and Sam... M um, <laughs> sat downstairs and we we finished an entire 30 rack and then like we, we were like oh we're not going to bed until this is gone granted like everyone else had been drinking out of it so like it wasn't a full it wasn't like we drank 10 beers a pop no. but it took us quite a while and we were up until like four or five in the morning Arjun I thought of this because you sent me that photo um over the weekend I think I did because it was just you know how iPhones do the featured photos thing? It was just right there. So uh, the featured photos app has been loving Paul recently a little bit too much. A little, a little concerned about that. But um, yeah, another yeah, one was weird. Yeah, that other one was bizarre. <laughs> um, big scoop here is that we found out that Emmett Smith, worth over fifty million dollars, still has a roommate. Um, many years post retirement from the NFL, he just loves the boys. What can you say? What a man. Hey, gambling, gambling became legal in, in New York last week, and I lost it all in between now and then. <laughs> and so I had to pick up a few scumbag roommates that get COVID. Damn. That's now I worked at, like, a bank or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Paul, uh, hopefully your travel experience was a bit better than that. Uh, it was uh, – I'd like to think the trip was a lot better. The traveling was a little up in the air. I before I say anything else, continue. <laughs> so um, I think it was relatively clear from the uh, episode last week that I was in Seattle, coming from the great state of Connecticut, and okay, great state is a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. And Paul, the construction noise in the background was very Seattle sounding. That's very true. That's a great, great observation you gave us right there. I, I thought I thought the construction noises weren't the issue. It was the uh, playful laughter of children exiting school. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was trying to tell a um, an R rated story about my sister swearing about Gandhi, and then all of a sudden I turned the corner and there's just children everywhere. Um, but so I was flying out of Connecticut. I obviously wanted a ride from the parentals so I didn't have to like Uber or pay for parking at an airport. Um, And the New York drive would have been a very hard sell, but I was able to find tickets from the local uh, White Plains Westchester airport, which is absolutely minuscule. There's like four gates and you're sitting in one single room. Um, it's mostly for billionaires, right? Th- there were there was actually a PJ leaving to Portland, Maine. Um, yeah, that was right, me, Emmett Smith. Right when I showed up. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was before I lost all, lost all on, the, on the on the Giants. Um, actually, really, more realistically, on the fucking on the Cowboys. Cowboys. <laughs> Come on. Um, but so I get there super easy. It was pretty early. Fly to Detroit my favorite airport that I've been to in the U S I, <laughs> I no, the Detroit that's airport. An opinion. That's an opinion that can stand my the, favorite airport that I've been to. The Detroit <laughs> airport. Have you ever been? Now, yes. Here we go. Now you're it's, into dangerous water. It's really nice. Name a better airport. Uh, Denver. I've never been there. <laughs> so it's not. I said my favorite airport that I've ever been to. He, got, he set it up perfectly. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at. I'm looking at. you I hit Atlanta on the way back. It was a disaster. Um, that airport stinks. But so I know the uh, location. Obviously, I know the exact location of the one Detroit-style Coney Dog restaurant in the Detroit airport. Headed right there. I had a three-hour layover. Got my uh, double Coney Dog combo as an appetizer. Um, 
absolutely devoured those. They were delicious. I think I sent you a picture, Arjun, right? You did. You did. For anyone that doesn't know the Detroit Coney Dog, I know we already had hot dog talk last episode, but they're they're really tasty. Wait, what is the – do you mind explaining for me and the audience? Like, what is – is it a Detroit-New York fusion? No. So they just called it a Coney Dog when it was invented in Detroit. And so, like, the original Coney Dog – and this predates Nathan's. Did they name Coney Island after the Coney Dog? No. I've never actually looked into this. We should, I should do some research and, and get back to the viewers or listeners. This is a, an audio recording. But essentially, that's just what it's called. And I don't have any details. It also uh, comes with the unemployment the Detroit it, dog. Continue. A very, very crisp dog. I don't know what they cook it in. but It's like very snappy. Yeah, it's super snappy. Nice crunch. And it's just simple yellow mustard and this special chili. And the chili looks like hell. I'm telling you, it looks terrible. Uh, From a scale of vomit to diarrhea, like where does it? Diarrhea, very liquidy. Super brown, liquidy. And it looks like, um, I think it might be like very, very finely diced hot dogs in there. Or like livers or something. But oh man, they are the best hot dogs I've ever had. Uh, The original ones are Broadway and Lafayette. um, Right on on Broadway in, in Detroit. And they're like right next door. It's one of those situations where you get oh, kind of like the, the battling thing. If you walk into either one, they invented it. It's a Pats and Geno situation. Like, Arjun. Like strip clubs I, where like I was about to say, no, no, it's not like that. But um, like if you go inside and like you have like the Lafayette's bag or something, they'll like curse you out. They hate each other. And I, I guess that Americans been like family owned for a while and at some point Lafayette broke off it was like a family dispute and like somebody from the family went and opened up Lafayette right next door like um and they're they're very different actually um the chili is definitely a different recipe it's Arjun it's super similar to the Pats and Gino situation where one is just like pure chili as simple as you can get like use what use what you've got and it's delicious and one is like let's season this bad boy up um really make something out of it we we could just because he's there a bit more in detail when we get to the cheesesteak stuff but uh so your detroit dog was good yeah delicious uh i had two and then i headed right over to um <laughs> my gate and i had about hey, three wait, hours wait. to kill oh wait you slugged two of these things before getting on a flight <laughs> no it gets worse um, and he hasn't recovered. Let the record reflect. Oh yeah, I've had a I've had a tough time since I got home. <laughs> did you order two, or did you order one, consume it, and it was like I gotta have a second one, or what was the thing in there? They have a deal where like two is cheaper, so I got two. <laughs> Wait, two is cheaper than one. Yeah. No, that's no way. That's no way. No, 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 no. Like, 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 if I were to buy one eat it and then go buy another one buying two would be like buying one and a half oh, i think that's what they call tax well yeah but okay 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 that's the oldest trick in the book okay i wanted two hot dogs <laughs> i wanted two hot dogs i knew i i went up to that place knowing i was eating two hot dogs. um but so i go to my gate and i still have three hours to kill uh and i've been reading so i was like oh, i'll go to the bar that's right next to the gate max and irma's and i go in there and I ordered a beer, just enjoying my book. Um, and then I was tempted by some food that, like, one of the servers brought by. <laughs> so I, um, I ordered a burger and fries. And while I was eating, I was uh, I stopped reading and I placed a few cheeky uh, bets on a national championship game. Um, nice. And then I headed over to my gate, read a little bit more, and got on the flight. It was a good flight. I watched um, Nine Days. Recommend. It was a good movie. Um, and then I got got to Seattle without incident. Um, then the rest of the week was pretty pretty relaxed. Uh, mostly work stuff. I cooked uh, chicken chicken heroes. Hero hero the heroes? Greek Greek heroes 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 chicken heroes. And clear, not hero like the sandwich. No, no, like pita, tzatziki, 
Um, I made a Greek salad with like cucumbers, peppers, onions, lettuce. Um, Is Charlotte Greek? What's going on here? No, I, um, I don't know. I saw someone cooking Greek food on the Food Network and <laughs> I, I, I got really into like wanting to cook Greek food. I've also, so my mom has this like leftover thing that she makes where like if she ever has leftover pasta in a Tupperware, she'll um, put a little olive oil on it load it up with feta and pepper Ooh. and pop it in the microwave for like 45 seconds. And it is sublime. Yeah. And so I've just been on a huge Greek kick. And so um, <laughs> Charlotte has class until like eight 30 on Wednesdays. And so I chefed up a big Greek dinner and it was, it was good. We got like three nights of leftovers out of that. Um, but so pretty like normal week. And um, I had already like resigned to taking Friday off for my birthday. And so she had class and I headed over to like a local kind of breakfast diner cafe um, around 10, 1030. And I ordered this really, really good breakfast dish. It was kind of a faux Benedict with... Um, a layer of hash browns, I remember layer, a sausage yeah. egg cheese scramble loaded up with the hollandaise. And I ordered this Bloody Mary. And the guy was like, oh, how spicy would you like that? Would you like a double shot? I went full in, spicy as you can, double shot. And then he cards me and he looks at the ID and he's taking a while. So I'm kind of ready for the, oh my gosh, happy birthday, which I don't really like i'd like to stay under the radar <laughs> but i was ready for it because he was looking at it for a while and he gives me the saddest happy birthday ever he clearly was like okay here's a here's a uh, here's a 20 something year old guy in our restaurant at 10 30 on a friday drinking and it's his birthday alone and he just goes oh um oh happy birthday hope you're doing okay and just like walks into the kitchen. Not if you drop the hope you're doing okay. That's an embellishment from you. Has to be an embellishment. But that Not makes it better. <laughs> keep the viewers honest. Anyway, okay. Still, really sobering moment. It brought me down to earth. Um, and then went home. Everything was good. And then we had the had a nice little orchestrated evening. We went to the top of the Space Needle. Actually, really enjoyed it. I had done the Empire State Building and it was just a disaster. I hated every second of it. Long line. You're up there for like 10 minutes. You know, fun fact. I went with my sister when she was on crutches and they let us straight up. Really? So if any of you out there listening ever need a hack for the Empire State Building, just bring a pair of crutches and you'll be fine. That's really, that's actually. Wow. Or, or I should say a seven-year-old on crutches and you'll be fine. Oh, that changes it. A bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> if you have access to a seven-year-old, bring that. Person. Hmm. Where do I get a seven-year-old? <laughs> right, I can see how this might not sound as good now that I've said it. But I'm talking about my sister. I was twelve at the time, so I'm all good. <laughs> yeah, but the Space right. Needle—totally different experience. Really nice. Pretty short line. Um. Well, yeah, it's Seattle, not New York City. I feel like you—you've. Uh, You've kind of cooked yourself here with the comparison. Okay, okay. Well, hear me out. We've got New York City. You get up to the top, you just see buildings. Yes, this is true. The most iconic skyline in the world, but yeah. Sure. You can't see the skyline because you're right in the middle of it. Uh, you might as well go to Hoboken and look across the river. That's true. Um, but so And Seattle's like surrounded by beautiful lakes, the Puget Sound. I'm looking at like beautiful water islands in the distance. We caught the sunset mountains totally surrounding everything. It was really pretty. And they had like bars up there. No time limit. We ended up staying up there for like an hour and a half, two hours. Um, Cause you're, you're out on top. There's like a bar. You can go onto this totally glass thing. It was honestly, I, the reason we had to like leave and go to the next step. I'll explain that in a second is because I literally think I was getting vertigo. The, the uh... glass panes lean outwards so they're not at a right angle like you can lean against them and your body is like leaning backwards over a 
pretty substantial drop. It was really scary, and I just started getting dizzy. <laughs> um, Sorry to hear that. <laughs> so, so you go downstairs after that, and you're on, you're totally indoors, which I thought it was going to be bad, but I like felt much better just being indoors. And you're in a rotating room with a glass floor and like 360 panorama views of the entire city and all the mountains and lakes. And we just grabbed a bench and just sat on the bench, like while the uh, building was going around and it was really nice. Saw the sunset. It was, it was great. Is this like one of those things like the like carnivals where you just, you know, get spun around and stick to the wall kind of things. Is That's kind of what a... where you're not trapped, you're not strapped in. Yeah. <laughs> the floor drops out too. <laughs> you know, people used to unbuckle themselves from that because it would used to be climb up the walls. Kids used to do that in Broomall. Those kids didn't go very far in life, but they had their moment there. Well, if they if they fell off the gravitron, I bet they went pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um it was not like that. It's it, it's been very slow. There's probably 10 15 minutes to get around. Oh. That's a bit longer than I expected. Yeah, it was very pleasant. Okay. I I really enjoyed it. Uh and then we ramped it up a notch after that. We went to a bar. This bar was pretty much my dream bar. It basically it had a nine-hole mini golf course in the bar. That was very it was a very, very nine holes is whatever, but it was very pleasing. Great obstacles, a lot of like fun nuances. There was one hole that you were only allowed one shot, and it was basically like a plinko. <laughs> where so there was a hole, and if you got it, it was on a ramp. And if right. you got it in the hole on the ramp, it was a hole in one, but there were slots on the bottom underneath the hole on this ramp. And whatever it landed in, there was um, a score underneath it, and that was your score. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, it was it was tough. But there were like a lot of super fun obstacles where pretty much every hole was like a pretty brutal obstacle where you had to traverse this and get it into a tiny hole. And if you got it in there, it was a hole in one or two, I guess, if you like weren't able to get around the obstacle the first time. And otherwise, it kind of funneled you into an absolute no man's land where you were in trouble and like fighting for a four or five. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a, a kind of the peak kind of place. Was it an indoor outdoor kind of deal with this? Uh... No, oh, we were all indoors. Wow. We had a league. You could go unlimited mini golf for like, they had a monthly subscription price, unlimited mini golf. And then they actually had this other thing. I, I think it was called duffel ball, which was kind of like a shuffleboard mini. It was imagine miniature golf on a tabletop game where you have like a shuffleboard thing and you're like whacking the ball. I'm, thinking of the, I'm thinking of the Leyland shuffleboard, like uh indoor shuffleboard that we had in Maine. So we're talking that kind of setup. And then kind of, something? not really. It was a tabletop game, but with like a turf carpet and a mini golf hole. Interesting. It looked fun though. We, we didn't play it. Um, we had a dinner reservation um but we ended up just they had a ton of board games like so many tvs a great bar so we ended up just hanging out getting another drink before we before we left but we were there during happy hour crazy happy hour ten dollar pizzas for any pizza and pretty much all the beers were between three and five bucks the steal it's a heist one could say yeah it was really nice um but then we walked over got Super nice seafood dinner at Oysters and uh, split the scallops in the uh, octopus. Is seafood the big thing? It has to be, right? Like, it's yeah. all interesting. I prefer, like, I mean, on a normal occasion, I prefer, like, the dive seafood shacks. But I don't know. It was a really, really nice day. Yeah, I mean, Emmett's, you know, you got you to the boys. They'll fix you up with a nice shack fish. Those guys really know what they're doing out there. Yeah. You can't really get the, uh, like the crab. I feel like the crabs and the, um, like the scallops and clams out there. I can't believe how much you just stunted on me. Like you invited me on your podcast. <laughs> I told you about my horrendous trip. And then Paul just told us about this lovely experience he had 
seeing his girlfriend and being on a spinning building. Well, that was the entire plan, wasn't it? I'm better than Emmett Smith. The... That is huge. That is huge for you. I know. That is huge for you. Paul, Paul, Emmett wants us to talk about his NFTs. So, should we? Uh, are you uh, done talking about Seattle? Because we can uh, kick it to our sponsors. Oh no, I, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know I am. I am. But I got to talk about the trip home. <laughs> okay, you're okay, right. You're right. Atlanta airport. It was not as smooth. Okay, before I get to the Atlanta airport, taking the red eye out of Seattle, 11 p.m. flight. Just, Ugh. I'm next to the, like, just a humongous man. Before you say anything else, be be advised that I'm here, and I won't take kindly to any mean words you say about big people. So no, but you don't. So you don't. Smith. You don't spill like halfway into another seat on an airplane. No, that's true. I do not. I I was sleeping, and my back was. It looked like a seat. He was just trying to share. <laughs> no, he was. I I actually chatted up this guy. He was from Memphis, Tennessee. Super into action movies. Like sounds like you get along really well with him. Yeah, it was great. I really, I, I, I had a great time. And it went like before he, he was like super like courteous, trying to, kind of suck in and give me as much space as possible. But he fell asleep inevitably on a red eye, and you can't really control that when you're sleeping. Was he not so, one of the buy two seats kind of guys? Those are those are the best human beings. The guys you know, that do it. I, I, I understand that though. Flying's getting expensive. Oh, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, but so he wasn't the biggest problem, though. There was a baby behind me. Oh. The horrible. baby wasn't the problem either. Oh. This baby's mom and this random woman that she didn't know who I heard her life story and she has like 800 grandkids and just loves babies for literally before I fell asleep. I don't even know how they did it for this long for an hour and a half. Both of these women, the baby wasn't doing anything. He was so quiet and good. These women were like, oh, you're a good boy. And I was just sitting in my seat. They're right behind me. And it was, what, like one in the morning? (laughs) I was like, I can't say anything. They're like, the baby was adorable. It was a really cute baby. But like, what do I do in that situation? Just like, shut up. Like, shut up. What do you? We're on an airplane. Nah, Paul, you have to take the loss there. There's nothing you can do. There's oh, no. Yeah. yeah, you can't go up against a cute baby. You're never gonna. Win. No, I know. I, I, and I, I fell asleep eventually. Watched about half of the card counter. Pretty sweet so far, but I need to finish it still. Um, but so I landed in Atlanta. We actually made great time. Got there like a half hour early, which was huge because I was supposed to have a 45 minute layover, and I was ready to get off the plane and just sprint to the gate. They put me like four terminals over. So I had to get on a train um, and then I ended up making it with plenty of time, sat at the gate for like a half hour, read a couple chapters of my book and got on the plane to from Atlanta to White Plains. And first of all, we ended up having to de-ice in Atlanta. It was that cold there. So that cut like 15 to 20 minutes into our trip. And then when we were approaching White Plains, the wind was so bad that we touched down twice and had to pull up because we the plane wasn't straight. And I kid you not, I was so close to throwing up. It was the big most turbulence I've ever experienced. The entire plane for the 30 minutes we were circling trying to land was just left, right, up, down, left, right, up, down. It was really, I, I don't want to say scary, I always look at the uh, flight attendants whenever I'm trying to decide if I should be scared on an airplane or not, and they seemed pretty calm. Um, but it was it was messy. And then to top it off, we landed, and my bag never showed up. So I have a question. <laughs> that, that's a great kicker. Turbulent landing. Did you clap when the when the plane landed? No, 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 no. Did people on the plane clap? No, nobody clapped. I mean, everyone was like ill. There's no room for clapping. I've noticed that people flying down to the south clap. People flying back up north do not clap. Take from that what you will. So um, is that is that southerners clapping when they get home or northerners I, clapping when they get to their destination? Or southerners being depressed when they come to the north. I feel like it's southerners being depressed when they come to the north. And northerners and southerners rejoicing that they're in the south now. Interesting.
You're kind of a southerner now. Uh, I don't know about that. Emmett, Emmett, or Emmett Smith did see me become the king of Kiwa Beach when he was here. Um, this man, this man <laughs> knew everyone on the beach. It's like he set it up. <laughs> Emmett actually, Emmett didn't know the story of the wallet. And I oh, tried to ask me about it. And I was like, no, you got to listen to the podcast. He wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah, I can't do the wallet, man. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't tell him. I was like, you got you had to listen to the pod. That's but, yeah, it's, yeah, Paul, that's a great way to drive engagement up. That's that's just great marketing right there. Yeah, well, it got us zero listeners. So maybe he'll listen now that he's on. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta people don't the people don't like to hear their listen voice. To his own voice. Yeah. Alrighty, we're back. Uh, we're in with our feature called the Stand Corner. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, I've long held a fascination with the former Soviet countries that end in Stan. Now, what's going on there? You know. These are big countries that occupy a pretty sizable amount of area in Central Asia. And we just have no idea what's going on there. Now, of course, I jinxed it because um, right when I, right when we were going to start this podcast, now I even forget the name of which Stan popped off. Wait, before you, before you um, get more into it, please give the, uh, the Stan qualifier. Okay, yeah. So... The Stans are pretty much the Stans where nothing, where no news comes out of frequently. So this immediately disqualifies Afghanistan and Pakistan. I will give a shout out, though, to a little Pakistan news flash I saw today. A woman sentenced to death for sending uh, images of Muhammad over WhatsApp. Um, bad thing to do in Pakistan, evidently. And uh, that woman will die. Wouldn't uh, that be a good thing? Like, oh, hey, here's Muhammad, the greatest guy. I think it was a drawing of Muhammad. And if you remember the Charlie Hebdo thing, that's a big no-no. Um, and so she got snitched on by the person she sent them to. And, um, yeah, she's done. That, that woman will die. Um, that seems harsh. Seems a bit harsh. Um, but they killed those all those uh, 13 people back in France in that uh, back in, like, 2000. 15? What was that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, Do we even know this? I don't know if this is too soon, but, and it, it'll probably come across as insensitive. I don't think I should say this. But <laughs> did they get the, uh, the actual illustrator? I don't know if they did. I know they got like the main, they got like a bunch of people. I mean, obviously they got a bunch of people, but I think they got, I think they got the guy behind it. I do think they did. Which seems lucky because they didn't target him either, right? No, uh, they very much went in there blasting. I remember reading it when I was in high school that they, you know, they caught like a Sedexo worker, like a random guy. They just got a, they got into the main office and got a lot of people there. But uh, yeah, no, that was an unbelievable tangent we just went on there. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, That's why, okay, tangents like that are why we can't have a stunt. We already have an India corner. That's, I'll, that's I will choose I will choose Stan Corner over India Corner any day of the week. Okay, well, that's that's why we we can probably do both, but we wouldn't be able to if uh, Pakistan and Afghanistan yeah. were in it. So that's a little qualifier for you guys. Yeah. So we're looking at you know Kazakhstan, which is the country that had the protest that I couldn't remember. Look at Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan. In uh, today's focus, Turkmenistan. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Stam just means land of. So all these places, when you read them, it's Kazakhstan is the land of the Kazakhs. Uzbekistan, land of the Uzbeks. Turkmenistan, land of the Turkmens. Um, Paul, at some future date, I will ask you to power rank which one is the best sounding. But that's for later. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so Turkmenistan. Uh, two things. First thing is that they're in lockdown, yet their government claims that they have zero cases of COVID. So, to be clear, they are living their normal lives and everything locks down. And the government says there's no particular reason for this because we have no COVID. We're just going on lockdown. Uh, everyone is saying that is absolute rubbish, but there's nothing they can do because it's Turkmenistan. 
and such is life. The second thing and the main focus of Turkmenistan today. Paul, if I told you that a country had a tourist attraction called the Gates of Hell, would that intrigue you? It would. I, can I say what I think it would be? Yeah. Like a volcano pit? Very close. It's a. It's called the Darvaza Gas Crater. It's this thing in the middle. Think of, you know, the area around Las Vegas where it's just desert, right? It's just arid land. There's a crater in the middle of it that's on fire. And they call it the Gates of Hell. And it is possibly the only tourist attraction in Turkmenistan. I look. I went to their tourist page. There's not a lot there, but this thing gets people coming to it. It's this, you know, have you, you read about that Pennsylvania town that's on fire in the West, Western half of Pennsylvania? No, it's that, I haven't visible. read about that either. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that later. That could be Pennsylvania news. That's like a really very weird thing. Um, like permanently? Yeah, been on fire for like 50 years now. Does um, that have to do with the, um, what was that nuclear thing called? Seven... Uh, no, it's just like they were drilling, uh, like for coal or something, and it just lit on fire, grew out of control. I think it's called Smyrna. Am I correct there? Anyway, the, can, well, let's get let's get back to this. Basically, it's a national gas reserve. No one knows how it lit on fire. A lot of people think it's a Soviet conspiracy that Soviet researchers were there, and they had to get rid of some evidence, and they just started the fire. Wait, so this is, are we talking Turkmenistan or are we in Pennsylvania? We're not, we're not, we're not in Pennsylvania anymore. We're back in Turkmenistan. Okay, okay. Um, and basically, they want to close down the gates of hell. They want to close down one of their major tourist attractions. And for the life of me, I cannot fathom why. Obviously, there's a slight environmental thing, but you know, this is good content. And I think it's a big mistake on Turkmenistan's part to close this down. <laughs> okay, I, I, I haven't researched this like you have, so I don't know, like, the size of this as a tourist attraction, but this reeks of, you know how influencers for a while were going for (laughs) Noble? Yeah. (laughs) Like, if if I'm a tourist at this place, it can't be good for me, right? No, no, it can't. But it was was used as an overnight stop in the Amul Hazar automobile rally. So they're, like, sponsoring events, and they're just like, yeah, sleep over here. This is a good spot to go to sleep at night. (laughs) So (laughs) they used uh, a photo of the crater for promotional imagery of the Godzilla film in 2004 (laughs) or 2014. So this is like a thing. Like Westerners know about it. I mean, we didn't know about it, but now we do. And I just don't. I mean, this is. Do you think Godzilla is coming to Turkmenistan for anything else apart from photographing this sick crater? I don't think they are. I don't. I don't really know how they would get there. How do you get to Turkmenistan? Also, well, no. God, how would Godzilla get there? I, I feel like Godzilla kind of needs the like, water routes. I feel like you could just retcon Godzilla into just appearing out of anywhere. Like, oh, like he needs to come out of the desert. Let's have him emerge from this fiery pit. That'd be cool. You watch Kong versus Godzilla? I did not, dude. I don't. I don't abide those movies. The guy who sat next to you on the pl- the flight probably saw it. Though. Yeah, he, I should have talked to you about it. That movie <laughs> was actually pretty sweet. Godzilla <laughs> lives in like a nuclear volcano underground world, so where he does, probably could have just swam up into it. Where does King Kong live, man? Um, is he still in the Empire State Building? Maybe no, that dude. Obviously, he lives on Skull Island. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I can't believe you watch these films, dog. Um, funny, so, funny story about Emmett Smith actually now that our listeners have a little insight into him uh, I don't even remember when this was whenever this movie was in theaters but we were all doing something and we decided to have a movie day and all of us went and saw Logan and Emmett was like oh yeah no I saw Logan with my mom so I'm just gonna go I'm gonna come with you guys and see Kong Skull Island that shows at the exact same time and we all went and like enjoyed Logan, and he just went and saw another movie by himself. <laughs> That's sick. Um, all right, and my last thing, and this is probably the best part of it. Uh, Tur- President Turkmenistan was suspected dead in 2019. Um, this guy, to prove that he was alive, got a car, and then proceeded to do donuts around the crater around the gates of hell 
to prove to people that he was still alive. That's actually, that's a great move. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm not going to hell. Yeah, I know. Good uh, press, and he's still alive. I, I mean, this is like when Kim Jong Un was suspected dead, and then he came back and he like also dropped like 50 pounds, and people were like, "Damn, that's sick." This dude's this dude's on a hot streak right now. Um, so yeah, if you ever want to give Kim Jong Un his props, be sure to give <laughs> Gurmanguli Berda Mumadeo. Jeez, I should never ever get mad about people for not pronouncing my name correctly. Um, after that one. Wait, I've actually got to. That makes me think of something, and then I want to get into my question. All right, which should be questions, but is not for some reason. Um. There's a very funny photo that I'm going to send you after this once I find it that was the – I don't remember what uh, sports channel it was. It was like a British or European channel was showing the starting lineups for one of the African Cup of Nations soccer games. And the opening game for Egypt was against Nigeria. And rather than put – like the jerseys yeah. or the names that they have um, like shortened for specifically for TV. So this problem doesn't occur. They put every single person's entire names and you like, they were so small. You couldn't read any of them. All of them had like, they're like, I mean like that's just how it works culturally, but they had their entire full names on the screen and it was just very funny. I was a little bit worried that you were going to explain to me another Nigeria versus Germany um situation there but i'm glad you didn't what was that nigeria uh, versus germany i don't know how to explain that to you without us getting very canceled so um okay yeah yeah moving on my question <laughs> so i feel like i should have a lot of other questions but for some reason i can't get past this one do you know what the number two, you got to be able to look this up. What is the number two tourist attraction in Turkmenistan? I have no idea. I, I, uh, I, I because this, this, for some reason, now is very important to me. I don't even, Tur- Turk, oh, spelling it wrong already. Turkmenistan tourism. We've got, we've got Ashgabat, but that's just like their city. It's just like, yeah, go to a city that's filled with marble and golden architecture. I, th- I assume you'll get the same link as me. I've heard about this before, though, that they're like, that city's just like very opulent for no apparent reason. That sounds pretty cool. Oh, I'm looking at the picture. It looks, it kind of looks like a sci-fi movie. But uh, yeah, their number three is literally just a desert and there's like a singular rock formation. <laughs> I think that speaks to... <laughs> oh, wait, wait. This is pretty cool. Merv, are you seeing this? I am seeing it. But ruins of an ancient city that was once one of the biggest cities in the world. Okay, but it's also like okay, okay. I am seeing now that it had five hundred thousand people. In it. Okay, Gonor Tep is looking pretty cool too. That looks like it could be simultaneously like very big or like a model diorama. Of, I was like, gonna say I can't tell if this is a picture or a painting. <laughs> All right, the last dude. Come on, that looks so boring. Uh, no offense to. Anything because this is what a lot of Indian ruins look like too. But come on, dude, this looks so dull. If you not scroll- if you're an archaeologist, okay, thanks, 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 Paul. <laughs> you, you and me, anthropology 101. We really would love this, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Stan news today. Let's uh, petition the Turkmenistanian government who is fully authoritarian. That uh, donut driving guy is uh, kind of a dick, uh. <laughs> Let's try to petition him. <laughs> uh, and we mean that in the nicest way possible. Please say his name one more time. Please come on the pod. I can't do that. I don't want to do this again to myself. All right. Well, we'll, move, we'll move on. And... Turkmenistan dictator, please. <laughs> come on. Um, and then we'll, we'll have more Stan news from, I hope, are we talking another Stan hopefully next? Dude, yeah. I'm so lucky. I nearly did Tajikistan this time, but the gates of hell just was too much um yeah that's pretty awesome all right um thank you for that arjun all right we're back and uh today we have our first 
first edition of uh, Wikipedia Wormhole, um, where we dive into obscure Wikipedia articles. I feel like we have a, lot, a, a decent amount of better ones in the back of the minds, but we, we want to just introduce this lightly before yeah. we really dive into some stuff that you guys probably don't know about and probably shouldn't know about. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Jack McGurn. I don't know anything about Jack McGurn, so I'm excited about this. And I'm avoiding going on the Wikipedia just so I can enjoy this more. I might have uh, disconnected for a second there, so hopefully that smooths out. But uh, So Jack McGurn, unlike uh, his name implies, not Irish in the slightest. His real name, Vincenzo Antonio Gabaldi. He was born in Sicily. Moved oh, to Bro- where did Jack McGurn come from? That's part of the story. Okay, uh, okay. Grew up in Red Hook, Brooklyn, which I don't know how close that is to you, but he was in Brooklyn, just like you, you, Paul, and Lucian. You guys might all all be the same kind of guy. Um, and at 14 years old, Jack McGurn drops out of school, decides to become a small time boxer. In that day and age, Italians didn't get a lot of credit in the boxing community. There's names weren't attractive for Bills. And so he changed his name to an Irish-sounding name. And that's how he became Battling Jack McGurn. That actually makes a lot of sense. That reminds me of, like, Snatch. So his dad died when he was still a kid. And this this is a, a, a small away, but it's also absurd. His mom remarries a grocer. And this grocer is murdered by black-hand extremists. So... Italians just murdering other Italians. It's a very common thing, but clearly marked for violence at a young age. He grows up in prohibition, and after his stepfather dies, McGurn goes about killing all the hitmen that killed his stepfather systematically one by one. He hunts them down. Um, so he be offs all of the hitmen. Al Capone. It took three guys to get the step guy, stepdad down. Yeah. And so, and also, McGurn's moved to Chicago at this point. How does so, he? How does he find these? Like, how does he know who did it? I believe it was open to secret, and McGurn just knew who they were, and just went after them. So, McGurn's in Chicago. Him and Lucian are hanging out together. He owns a bar called the Green Mill, which I don't know if Lucian's ever been to, but apparently is still around, which is pretty crazy. Um, but this is in the wrong, the wrong side of Chicago. So, you know, Al Capone's outfit was in the South side and, uh, Bugs Moran on the North side. And this bar was in the middle of Bugs Moran territory. So some friction was going on between Bugs Moran and Jack McGurn and Jack McGurn with the Irish name is actually an Italian. That's why Capone lets him in. So Jack McGurn one day. He's got a big, you know, you know how these bars work that they have uh, performers. Think like the Vegas residencies, right? He's got this great guy, Joe Lewis, top bill, great act. People love to come out for him. And Joe Lewis is getting approached by a different bar, a different cafe that wants him to become their headliner in Chicago. And Joe Lewis is going to jump. And Al Capone says, you know what? We're not going to do that. We can't let this guy leave. He's bringing us a lot of money. Go convince him. Jack to keep him around and Jack McGurn shows up trying to be nice to Joe Lewis Joe Lewis just goes hey you know don't really want to do that I'm just going to go and so Jack McGurn <laughs> tries to slit Lewis's throat and cuts off a piece of his tongue and leaves him for dead somehow Joe Lewis recovers and has like another 40 years of life after this and becomes best friends with Frank Sinatra and this instant becomes a movie where Frank Sinatra plays Joe Lewis in the movie. The movie is called The Joker is Wild, if you want to know. Um, Wait, so he wasn't still a singer at this point, right? No, so Joe Lewis's throat never recovered. But he had gained so much prestige before that that he was still famous. Wait, how did he cut his tongue off if his throat dude, was? I, I, have, I still have no idea. I don't get how anatomically that worked, but it's... That is on the Wikipedia page. Huh. So, yeah. Baffling. 
I'm not a doctor yet, so maybe I'll find that out someday. But <laughs> right now, I anatomically don't get that one. Um, so he allegedly had a plot plan, a hand, in playing the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, which is, I don't know if you know that. I only know it because I took crime film in, um, at my freshman year at Bowdoin. But, um, I don't. Can you explain it? It was a huge massacre planned by, planned by Al Capone. Where he murdered, I think seven or eight of Bugsy Moran, or not Bugsy Moran, uh, Bugs Moran. I confused him with Bugsy Sealer for a second. Um, killed seven uh, Bugs Moran guys uh, in like a turf war, and it was like very devilishly planned. Like they pretended to be cops and pulled them aside, and then killed and then gunned them all down. And Bugs Moran escaped, but didn't have any power after that. Essentially, and it allowed Al Capone to kind of take over most of Chicago's uh, bootlegging business. It's very like infamous. Like it ratcheted up gang violence in a way that hadn't been seen before. Um, and he becomes, and he basically keeps on gaining notoriety. And so, the Chicago Crime Commission, the CCC, great name, compiles a list of public enemies, which is basically, you know, like a public enemy like people yeah. that are harming the common good and they rank him number four not not to be confused with the rap trio yeah nice um Thank you. i that, that took a second to formulate but continue. So, so you know if we're ranking the top 28 universities in the country he's the columbia of crime in chicago not the top guy but he's right there you know Oh, yeah. I feel like he hasn't even earned it yet, though. Well, you know, that was – well, if he, if you have the – if he's alleged to have helped in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre and his alibi for that is that his wife, who allegedly is a smoke show, uh, just claimed that he was with her all day. And there's, like, no refuting that because that's just how alibis worked back then. They didn't have anybody else uh, to verify it. So they couldn't do it, but it was, like, an open secret that he was involved so basically, he just has to stop with mob activity because he's too notorious. The Chicago outfit basically completely shuns him. So he, he, he says, I've got really good hand-eye, so I'm going to become a golfer. And that's exactly what he does. He becomes a partner at the Evergreen Golf Course in Chicago, which is a mob hangout. And he just starts giving golf. He practices. He, like, gambles in the clubhouse. Allegedly, he keeps a machine gun with him, though, at all times in his bag. Allegedly, he also plays golf with Bing Crosby, who I'm sure you know. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically, 1933 comes around. This dude's still wanted. This dude is still on the lam. People kind of know where he is, but no one knows exactly. A, like, a PGA Tour event comes to <laughs> Chicago at Olympia Fields Country Club, which I'm sure Lucian knows about. It's in Olympia Fields, which is a suburb of Chicago. And it's, like, a very wealthy country club. Um, and there's a PGA Tour event there. McGurn is a notoriously, like, garish dresser. Like, you know, like the Caddyshack? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He dresses like that. And he enters the event under his name Vincent Gabardi, which if you remember is just his birth name. <laughs> Not really going against the grain there. I'd or call that covert. Close enough to his original name. First round plus 13, 83. Tough day. Next day, the cops are one of the cops is just there and is looking over the tea time sheet and he sees Gabardi. And one of them just like, huh, that sounds familiar. And because Vincenzo Gabardi, he had used that before to commit crimes. And so they're like, this dude's just here. And so he gets a bunch of other cops. They show up to the golf course. He's in the... Allegedly, he's playing a lot better the second day. He's on the seventh green. It's amazing how much information we have about this. Gets on to the seventh green, and they're like, hey, you're under arrest. And... You know, we got your warrant here. You're you're coming with us. <laughs> His that wife. Would, if that happened nowadays, that would be like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. His wife 
is with him. And I'll, and they're, they've got a lot of information here because they're just saying, hey, uh, she's wearing a tight white, white, <laughs> white dress. Uh, she was looking very attractive, which is just, it just seems like the Wikipedia editor was in here just like messing around. But McGurn allegedly just said, hey, I'll go with you guys. Can I finish my round? <laughs> <laughs> the cops say yes. No way. And McGurn goes on to shoot 16 over and shoots 14 strokes above making the cut. And then he goes to jail. <laughs> Gets out of jail. We're in 1936 now. How old is he at this point? Uh, I think I would say he's like 34, 35. Okay. So he's bowling one day. And <laughs> he's just trying to have a good time, right? You know, he just he's just existed out there. And he gets whacked. Three gunmen come in and kill him. And they leave a poem on his body. They what on his body? They give him no. He has a poem on his body, McGurn. He's holding a poem in his hand when he dies. Here's his poem. You've lost your job. You've lost your dough. Your jewels and cars and handsome houses. But things could still be worse, you know. At least you haven't lost your trousers. I believe that's supposed to be read so that houses and trousers rhyme. But I wasn't with that in that moment. His stepbrother, his half-brother. Oh, that was the whole thing? Yeah, that was it. Wow. Some bars. Not very deep. <laughs> I think it was just going to say, like, I, at least I got my pants. <laughs> <laughs> His half-brother swore to avenge him. Did not work out because he gets killed by three masked men at a Chicago pool hall. Dude, a lot of the parallel of the threes. Yeah. And to finish this off, there are three possible theories. For who killed McGurn, but we don't know who that is. It's revenge for bugs for the men that were killed in the St. Valentine's Day massacre. The Southside mob boss, Frank Nitty, who was worried because McGurn was kind of a blabbermouth and um, essentially was worried that with him being a drunk and talking so much that he could expose some outfit secrets. And then finally, Two brothers were killed in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, Frank and Peter Gunsenberg, and they had a brother called James Gunsenberg who might have carried out the final revenge for his brothers. I think that seems most likely. I like that theory the best. And that's the tight life and times of Jack McGurn, gone and dead at the age of 33. Wow, that was a lot younger than I thought. <laughs> wow. That's not. That's really... He, I mean, he lived it up while he was alive. Yeah. You know, this really, you know, this really made me think of what? So I've got this book called the five families. So it's it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's like 1500 pages though. Oh my God. This thing is, it's pretty much an encyclopedia of like New York city criminal activity. But like, obviously like Capone was, pretty tied into the uh the five families and stuff so like i'm sure i'm sure the saint valentine's massacre is in there i've read a decent amount of it um and it actually it reads really really well like like it's not like an encyclopedia it reads like a story which Mm. is very impressive for a 1500 page like crime encyclopedia but um I, I was reading it while I was commuting, and then once I got an apartment and stopped commuting, I kind of fell through the cracks. I got to get back into that. Yeah. That sounds like something we should know. I like I, I end up on mob Wikipedias way more often than I should. Me too. I, I For a yeah. while, I listened to a podcast called Mafia. Was that good? Bad? Was yeah, I really liked it. it. It's really well done. They just talk about mob individuals. It would be like... It would be like if they spent a few weeks researching Jack McGurn rather than going on a Wikipedia wormhole. Yeah, that. But I, I, I'd consider this more digestible for the listeners. So, yeah, if you need all... your uh, mafia fix, come to Wikipedia wormhole, not mafia. 
Yeah, this is much more approachable, one could say. Um, but yeah, I don't have much more else to add in that regard on terms of Jack. Who would play Jack McGurdon in the movie? I think I see Tom Hardy for him. Yeah, I like that actually. I'm trying to think. I'd like to see a picture of him. Um, but like just said, based on the based on the description, I um, I like Tom Hardy. He's a dashing fellow, Jack McGurdon. I would say. Oh yeah, he's a good looking guy. I'm looking at him right now. Is that Tom Hardy kind of did that with the uh, played like the the London gangsters, the two brothers. Um, forget what that movie's called. I, I like that movie too. Wow, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name either. Where he's Tom- like the he's the same guy, right? It I has an angelic name. It's not like old Ronnie or something. I remember. Um, yeah. So I'm, now that I'm looking at him, though. I don't even know, like, how did he try to pass as an Irish man? It's called Legend. Yes. And, I don't know. I feel like everyone's so ambiguously. All you, all you white people, kind of, kind of look the same for a little bit. I, I would say that this man has like Sicilian crime family looks <laughs> you know that's more than fair he does <laughs> do you see the picture of him golfing <laughs> no i'm looking at a picture of him staring down the barrel of a machine gun now yeah also him and his, wife, his wife is i mean i guess by 1920 standards i guess but i don't know how i feel about her in this day and age oh my gosh his his like i'm the only pictures of him golfing are like post follow through so the club behind his back and like he's wearing work attire like business cap yeah the photo of his hit no it's on google images I can send it to you he's extremely well dressed I'll say people do not look like that when they go bowling oh man so uh, I'm scrolling through the Google images for Jack McGurn Golf, and there's a picture of Tiger Woods, and it's what a- from an article. All I can see in the uh, thumbnail is "Famous Five Golfers Under Arrest." <laughs> Jack McGurn and Tiger Woods are something in common. What a moment! <laughs> oh uh, no! Of uh, almost, it's a trolling take, but it's a very funny take. Uh, one person. In our friend group from home, who I won't dox, anytime Tiger Woods is getting positive spin, we'll just be like, "Yeah, it must be sick to just get DUIs and get out of them. That must be sick." And just like just to rile up the other guys who are Tiger fans, <laughs> it works every time because the other guys. Just... <laughs> that would rile me up too. Yeah, I can understand. It's right. Yeah, dude, there's Tiger. <laughs> so funny. That is so funny. Just. <laughs> Is it John Daly too, dude? Are you seeing the same article? I am seeing the same article. Oh my god, dude! Wait, why is Phil on here? Wasn't Phil under investigation for insider trading? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, oh man. Okay, might have to look into this for later. But Artem Nesterov. The opening line is, if you thought that Machine Gun Jack McGurn was a grim character, then allow me to introduce you to Artem Nesterov. That could be yours for next time. Yeah, I'll look into it. I'll see if it's worthy. Artem Nesterov? I'm not going to look into this. I think Artem so. Nesterov. It's on the same article. Okay. I closed out of the article. <laughs> In 2007, though, he was arrested on the allegation of decapitating his own mother. That is a crime crazy. that he later confessed to. <gasps> Jesus. Was he at least a good golfer? Uh, so golf only came to Russia following the fall of communist rule in 1991. So it's not blessed with many golfing stars. Nesterov was one, though, in Russia, at least, where he was first the first Russian golfer to be awarded the title of Master of Sport. Interesting. 
Yeah, so Artem Nesterov. I'll I'll look into that. Could be could be um an interesting Wikipedia wormhole going forward, but we have a lot of them, I think. Yeah. So thank Emmett Smith for coming on our podcast today. That was a great help from Emmett. Uh, yeah, can't thank him enough. We we want to have more guests yeah. for either depending on what we're talking about, long form interviews or just short stories. We're potentially working on a an NFT episode, try to learn ourselves a little bit about the new movement. Yeah. So hopefully we can get some guests on for that. But yeah, if anyone has anything interesting, let us know and we'll we'd love to have you on. Yeah. Um, it was great talking to you again, Paul. Yeah, great talking to you too. Um, look forward to Sunday, Sunday night. We record Sundays for our Monday episodes. So uh, look forward to that. We hope that you guys look forward to that episode as well. We will be talking at you again on Monday. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. Yeah, bye, Arjun. Bye, Paul.